Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. God is good. Amen. Um, We're still in Proverbs. Uh, I won't be here next Sunday, but the Sunday after we'll be in Proverbs again. And then prayerfully, I don't know if we keep doing this, if the services are like this, we might stay in Proverbs. (laughs) We want his wisdom. We want his presence, his wisdom, his knowledge. Uh, So we're just going to continue to press into him. So I'm not going to say what we're going to be on in September. I'm going to leave it up to the Lord. Uh, But there was a handout. um, This is from last Sunday. It's kind of a quick review. Uh, We talked about wisdom. We did uh, Proverbs 1, chapter 1. We went through that, and there was some information uh, to know wisdom. And then to know wisdom, you have uh, understanding and to comprehend. You receive it. Then you give it out. And then that person knows wisdom. And it's a continual cycle. So you know the wisdom. You understand it. You comprehend it. You receive it. Actually do it. You give it to someone else. And then they, in turn, have the wisdom as well. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And that fear uh, is an understanding of who God is and the infinite nature of his power. And I don't know if we ever really understand who God is in the infinite nature of his power. Ah, so powerful. And then towards the end of chapter one, we looked at wisdom personified. Uh, and it talks about uh, is available. Wisdom is available for all who is willing to listen because he's out in the streets yelling and in the corners yelling giving out information, are we willing to listen? Uh, he beckons us to repent. Uh, it's judgment for the ignorant. It's unavailable for fools. And it's security for those who are to the listeners. And those are the verses there. And so on the back side, we're in Proverbs 3. We tip, I skipped chapter 2. I, I like chapter 2, but 3 was much better. And, uh, so we're doing the 3. <laughs> um, but it is uh, Proverbs 3 and the wisdom not. And so we're going to stay there. Uh, and this breaks all kinds of rules of how many bullet points you should have, because I have 11. <laughs> I try to do three to five. That's, you know, that's, you know, regular ministry stuff, you know, preaching stuff. We, wanna, we don't want to give too many bullet points. But you make it through all the three, it will be 11 points. And some of them are grouped together, so we'll get through it, I pray. Uh, but uh, praise the Lord. So. God's principles and son and the son's obligation. So we start out in ver- chapter 3 with God's principles and the son's obliga- obligation. So it talks about my son, do not. So um, is a 1 through 12 kind of meets a literary, literary standard called uh, synonymous parallelism. Synonymous parallelism, which means the first verse uh, or the odd verses or uh, an admonition, or his admonishing the son to do something, and then the following verse is the application, or what would happen if you do that. So one is, my son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. And then the benefit in the uh, even verse, and this is just verses 1 through 12 follow this, is you will have length of days, long life, peace will be added to you. So all 1 through 12 follow that same line. So do this, this is the benefit. You do this, here's the benefit. Here's the principle, here's the benefit of that principle. And so the first three, do not or not, N-O-T-S, uh, says do not forget the law, 
let not mercy and truth forsake you, and then do not lean on your own understanding. And those are uh, verses 1 through 6. So 1 through 6, the do nots. And they all deal with the heart. Because in verse 3 it says, but let your heart keep my commandments. And and verse uh, 2 says, I'm sorry, verse 3, yeah. And then you go down, it says, let not mercy forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then 4 and so, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. I'm sorry, in verse 5. Trust the Lord with all your heart. So the first three do not have to be heart-driven. Their true obedience comes from the heart. We talked about this when we looked at uh, the Sermon on the Mount. It was always about the heart. You know, you can look at people's actions, but God looks at the heart. He can... Uh, determine the motives behind why you're doing what you're doing. And we need to be driven to do these things by the heart. And the benefit of doing this, if your heart is being right, being led right, long life, peace, favor and high esteem with God and man, who wants that? (laughs) And directed path. (laughs) These are all good benefits, all good principles, that if we align our heart with what the Lord wants us to do, then Long life, peace, favor, and directed path. I want to lean in <laughs> on chapter, verse 5. It talks about lean not to your own understanding. So many times we think more highly of ourselves than we are. <laughs> That's the word. We think we know more than what we really know. We think we're wise in our own sight, and so we lean in our own understanding. But our understanding is in part. We only understand in part. When God knows the full story, and but yet we don't lean on him as much as we should because we think our part is all because we're infinite minds and these brains, the great matter that we have in our heads uh, has fooled us into thinking that we know it all and that what we see is all and that I can lean on that. But leaning on my own understanding is almost, and Monty isn't in here, but I'll use him as an example because it would be foolish of me, Monty's uh, baby, and he's one, right, one, to be foolish of me to lean on Monty, right? That wouldn't make any sense. Me and Monty would, I would crush Monty and I would hurt myself <laughs> and leaning on Monty. And that is the equivalent of us leaning, leaning on our own understanding. It makes no sense, but we do it all the time, y'all. We lean on our own understanding. And that leaning means to put your full weight and faith in that ability. And so what we're saying when we lean on our own understanding is that I trust myself more than I trust God. I know you don't say that, but that's what that, that's what that shows is that, hey, what I know is better than what God knows. And God is saying, I know all. You know this much, but yet you're leaning on that. Okay, that makes sense. It doesn't. <laughs> so we it says, uh, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And so many times we get ourselves in trouble is because of the path we're on. <laughs> but we leaned on our own understanding. <laughs> we went down that path and then we get upset that this is the path that I'm on because I leaned on my own understanding. And then we look to God and say, hey, can you fix my mess that I got myself into? 
But God is gracious. He still meets us and directs our path out of our mess. <laughs> so, yeah, so heart, looking at the heart. So the first three is looking at the heart. The next two or three, only, only two of them are do not. The other is not a, it doesn't present itself as a not, but it is a part of that. It says, do not be wise in your own eyes. So, again, it looks at, it's kind of uh, harking back into the lean knots in your own understanding, but do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And it seems strange that you would say do not be wise and then depart from evil, but being wise in your own eyes is a lack of humility and can cause you to be in evil, to be in, uh, in the flesh. And that's why it says, fear the Lord, depart from evil, it will be helped to your flesh. Because you want to fear the Lord so that it's healthy to your flesh and strength to your bones, it will preserve you if you fear the Lord, if you seek his knowledge and not your own. If you seek your own knowledge, it's evil. Our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. But he is renewing our minds so that we can think like him, so that we can, his thoughts can be our thoughts. And in doing that, we can lean on him even more and trust him even more in that process. Honor the Lord tonight, verse 9. It says, so the first one is to be humble. Do not be impressed with yourself or what you think or what you have figured out. And I mean, I think about my own children, and one of them is here, so I won't t- say too much. Um, <laughs> because, you know, when you're 18 and 19, you know everything. I knew everything. Some friends of mine sent a picture of us in, in high school, uh, at a high school prom, they sent out, t- uh, uh, texted me a picture of us in high school prom, and I, I messaged them back, and I said, we knew everything, and we knew nothing. <laughs> we thought we knew everything at 18, and we knew absolutely nothing, uh, looking at those young, fresh faces. Uh, and so many times, we take that same Ability and thought into adulthood, and we think we know everything. And it's, and it's a, a lack of humility on our part when we say, hey, I don't know something. A lot of times that, uh, in training someone, it's often a, it's a sign of a good trainer, a, good, a sign of a person who's willing to be trained is the fact that they say, I don't know. Can you show me? And that shows a, I don't, some people just can't say that, that I don't know. Can you show me? I need help with this. I don't know. I work in an environment that can be very dangerous, and I tell people often, I say, you can trust and believe. If I don't know something, I'm going to let you know. <laughs> and I'm not going to try to do it on my own because I'm not going to blow this plant up. So, Because <laughs> that could happen. Um, and so I was like, yeah, you don't, have to worry ever, you don't have to ever worry about me doing something where I don't know, and I'm going to try to fake it or fudge it. Because my life <laughs> is in danger. I can't fake it and fudge it. If I don't know it, I don't know it. And I'm going to go and let you know, hey, I don't know this. Can you show me? Can you teach me? That humility is important. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Then the second one here, which is not one of the do nots, but is honor the Lord with your possessions and your first fruits of your increase so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. That's to be generous. Use your wealth in such a way that God is honored. So to be humble, be generous. And then lastly, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Do not detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. 
just as the father, the, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. So be humble, be generous, and be teachable. Discipline is the idea is not just punishment, but discipline is also instruction, guidance, and correction. So we got to be able to uh, be teachable. And that is why you ask the question, hey, I don't know something. Can you show me? Can you teach me? I want to learn. And I want to encourage, again, I encourage, I'll, I'll do this later, but I want to encourage you to find people that you can pour into and teach what you know. So they will know and have that wisdom as well. So then we, in um, chapter 3, we have these verses. Uh, it's like a poem also. So starting at verse 13, it goes down to 28. Uh, and it's a poem about wisdom. And it's almost like the beatitudes of wisdom. <laughs> it's the wisdom and the, and the, the gist of that, 13 through 28, uh, the short version is make wisdom your priority. So in the midst, in, in the midst of the first 12 verses, you have this poem about the importance of wisdom. Make wisdom your priority. And you can read it here. I'm not going to go through all of it. But it starts out almost like the Beatitudes. As happy as the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding for, he, for her proceeds are better than a prophet of silver and her gain than fine gold. And it goes on and on about how, how wonderful and great wisdom is and how we should prioritize it in our lives. And, and that is power in us prioritizing that wisdom. We need it. And we don't understand how much we need it because we think we know it all. And that is why we don't prioritize it. And that is why that is they stop that in those verses and say, hey, you need to make wisdom my priority. And so many of us say, well, yeah, I do, you know. And we say that like that because we think we know it all. <laughs> because we're wise in our own eyes. But we're not. We lean on our own understanding. And that's why in the midst of this, they said, hey, let, this is important to put here. Because wisdom needs to be a priority and seeking Wisdom needs to be a priority in your life. And so then it ends, it concludes the last four, do not. So it, uh, the, the wisdom says, let not them depart from your eyes. Don't be afraid of sudden terror. Uh, so those are the do nots in wisdom, the, the wisdom poems in verses 13 through 28. But then it goes into the final verses where it talks about do not. And this is action towards your neighbor. So we start out with what your son should do and the benefits of that. We go through those things. Then we have this short poem that gives us the priority of wisdom. And then we end with how you should treat other people, your neighbors. And it goes into detail about what you shouldn't do. And so we're going to pick up there, I think in verse 25, uh, no, in verse 27. So it talks about what you should do to your neighbor. So this is what the actions you should do. So 27 says, do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power of your hand to do so. So one thing, do not withhold good from those from which is due. Now, that may sound strange, like why would you do that? But your heart sometimes wants to do that. <laughs> because some people may not, you may feel in your, in your finite wisdom that someone doesn't deserve I've made a judgment call because of what I think that they don't deserve the good. Whatever that good is, grace, 
mercy, forgiveness, love, whatever it is. And so you may choose, in your limited wisdom, to withhold that from them. And this is saying, don't do that. They didn't. God is judge. Let him, if there's repayment of revenge to be done, let him do it. But you don't withhold whatever the Lord has told you to do or whatever what is due to them. Because that's not your job. And so many times we think it's our job to play God. We like to do that. We don't like to admit it, but we like to be Lord of our own lives and do what we want to do and say what we want to say and judge the intents of others and give love where we want to give love and hold it back for those who we think don't deserve it. Same with grace and mercy. We give it to those who we want, but then those who we don't want to, we withhold that. And it says, don't do that. Don't withhold good for the, from those whom it is due. When it is in your power and your hand to do so, then I say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I'll give it to you when you have it with you. That's a good word, y'all. <laughs> do not say to your neighbor, go Come back and I'll give it to you tomorrow when you already have it with you. Bless them today. Forgive them now. They're ready for that forgiveness. Don't hold them in, in toil and in sway. Give it to them. The good. Don't give them anything. <laughs> Verse 29 says, Do not devise evil against your neighbor, for he dwells by you for safety's sake. So do not devise evil against your neighbor. A neighbor, another thing. So you're doing good. These are the good things that you should be doing. Towards others, loving your neighbor as yourself is one of the principles that we see here in these four. Uh, do not strive with man without cause. If he has done you no harm. So it says do not, um, the interpretation of that is do not accuse people who, do not falsely accuse anyone. Do not strive or say, hey, they've done this when they haven't done anything against you. And sometimes, again, in our own infinite, or finite wisdom, we think we know what they've done and what they haven't done when there is no just cause for it. And then it ends in verse 30, 31. says, do not envy the oppressor and choose none of his ways. So it says, do not envy or, or covet those who are oppressing. And so, so many times what happens here is that we see the world doing well supposedly, look like they're doing good, and we covet those things. And when we covet those things in our eyes, we then say, well, I'm going to try. We then, in our mind, may devise a scheme. I don't know if you will or not, but may devise a scheme to obtain those things, ill-gotten goods, getting things that you're not supposed to have uh, by any means necessary. So whatever hustle you have to go through to get that, Sometimes we'll choose to go and do that when we're coveting what the oppressors have. And so the, the, the life lesson here is don't covet, don't envy that. Your treasure is in heaven and not in this earth. A life lived with wisdom has implications for loving one's neighbor as oneself. It says God in his wisdom loves the poor, the outcast, the vulnerable, the oppressed. So are we to love those as we reflect his divine nature. And so many times people shy away from loving the oppressed and the outcast when God says, that's what I want you to do. Just showing my divine nature. Not loving 
the good things of the world, the affluence and the money and the wealth and the fame and the popularity and the likes, but loving those people who are sick. He came for the sick. He came for the lost. And he's sending you out to do win those people. So when you're coveting the world's goods and not seeing his character and loving the oppressed and the poor and the poor, then we're not reflecting his divine nature. Um, that's it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I, I want to encourage you in, in chapter 3 to really, one, all of this has to flow, and, and you see that in the beginning, and then where, where it starts and then where, where it leads, it flows from our heart. There's a heart issue. We can go about actions, and we may make the appearance that, hey, they're doing good, but God judges the heart. So right at the beginning, he says, hey, do not forget my law. Don't forget the word. Don't forget that. It needs to be in your heart. And when your heart is right, then you're willing, you have a willingness to follow his principles for righteous living. And when you follow his principles for righteous living, then you can go out and uh, bless others and go out and, and teach others and show others and and willing to do the things that he's outlined here. Be humble. Be, be generous with your, your money. Be teachable. All those things. When your heart is right with him in the word, teaching the word. This principle for, for godly living. We want to encourage, I want to encourage you again to just continue to walk in that. Think about godly living. This is Proverbs. This principles for godly living. How can I glean? What can I glean and what can I learn? from these principles so that I can go out and live a life pleasing to the Lord. Amen? Amen. If you would stand to your feet, we'll dismiss. And, um, just remember the announcements and all the things that we have going on. And just thankful for the Lord meeting us here. Closing a prayer and then a blessing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. You're great. You're gracious, God. You're loving, God. You love us enough to share your wisdom with us. You want to share your knowledge. These are principles that we can live by. There are benefits to living righteous. And there may be times this week that you didn't see the benefits of living righteous, but there are. Uh, Infinite benefits to live in righteous, oh God. Intangible knowledge that you have, we need to grasp hold of so that we can live a righteous life. It's pleasing to you that we can win others to Christ. And all this points to your son, Jesus, oh God. We're thankful for your son. He, he's the ultimate wise one, the ultimate wise son that we can learn from. We just thank you, Lord, and we bless you. We honor you. We just thank you, thankful for all that you've done today, and we pray that it is instilled in our hearts and that we leave this place changed, willing to go out and proclaim the name of the Lord Jesus and press our way, press our way on. This is just a refreshing that we feel revived, knowing that we can make it through another week, 
another two, another month, another year. <laughs> because we're in your hands. And we just thank you, Lord. I said, blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace on today. Prayer team will come up. Uh, if you have any prayer needs, prayer requests, um, if you didn't hear from the Lord earlier and you want to pray about some things, please come up and these people will be happy to pray with you. And um, So go in God's blessings. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Thank you.